Hey everybody, before getting into today's episode, I want to quickly thank our sponsor, Herbal Active CBD. You can find their wide assortment of products on their website at herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. While you're there, be sure to use the promo code TRAPDRAW20, TRAPDRAW20, for 20% off your order. Thank them for their sponsorship. I'll be back in a little bit to tell you more about them. Uh, and now on to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. Today's guest is my favorite LPGA writer, Miss Beth Ann Nichols. Uh, Beth Ann, how are you today? I am well. I am uh, in the middle of my second off season, so I'm, I'm enjoying not flying for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this uh, I have to imagine this is probably as long, if not longer, than the than the real off season. Is that is that right? For some players, it's definitely longer. I mean, you, especially the top players who have yet to compete this year on the LPGA will be making their 2020 debuts in late March, <laughs> which is just wild. And that includes uh, world number one, Jin Young Ko, and number three, Sung Young Park. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, um, gosh, that'll be what, almost uh, four? Almost maybe, four months. Yeah, four, four full months off. Um well, that's, that's a good uh, segue. I want to, that's certainly, you know, if not the biggest, one of the biggest stories on the LPGA season thus far is they canceled, I believe, three events um, that, you know, starting this week, essentially the next three events have been canceled and they were canceled a few weeks ago out of caution and concern with the coronavirus. Can you explain what went into that decision? Yeah, so the first event that was canceled was was not surprising at all. It was the the last event on the Asian Swing, which was the Blue Bay LPGA event in China, and uh, and then after that, the tour decided to to go ahead and cancel the the Thailand and Singapore event, which are two of the most popular events on the schedule amongst the players, and it, they're both limited field, um, no cut events. Uh, you know, I I that basically there have been a lot of um, of suggestions, you know, from government officials to to cancel or postpone any large scale events, uh, and, and you know, you think about having a week long event with people coming in from all over Asia, um, and 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 having so many people in one place. And I was even thinking about catering, you know, and and, and symptoms don't present themselves um, for several weeks with this virus, and and someone could be involved in in food preparation and. And not have a clue that they're infected, and 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 what that could do on a, on a large scale uh, is is really scary. So there's there's no question the LPJ made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's a I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Just about you know all the people that are around and and working uh, an LPJ event. That's that's quite interesting. 
I, I, so I have a few questions in conjunction with, you know, these, these canceled events and, and the coronavirus. I guess my first one would be, do you know, is the LPGA, have they made any structural changes? Like, does anything change with the season-long race to the CME? Or, you know, are, do they reallocate these, these lost points or money to, to other events? Anything like that that you know of? Uh, no, I, I don't think they're going to change anything to my knowledge, but, but, but what it does do is it gives a lot of opportunities for, for rookies, uh, for players who, who weren't in those limited field events, uh, to make hay because, you know, they're, there's, they're, the, the top players aren't going to be padding, um, padding their numbers on the money list with the no cut events. Um, and, and then, and then you have, and that, that started, you know, they already had that at the diamond resort service. So, so there were three no cut events, uh, early on in the season and, and for the A and A inspiration right now, we only have two events prior to that, the first major of the year and, uh, players, the, the 20 players who aren't already qualified, who fall within the top 80 of the money list after the Kia classic, uh, will qualify for the A and A. So the money list you know the money list is a big deal. It it, your, it it determines your your livelihood on the LPGA, and um and the, and this in a in a strange way will actually help some players. Mm-hmm. Looking forward, the Olympics are in Japan this summer. Have you heard any rumblings within the LPGA tour about it? maybe that's so far down the road? Who knows? But uh, could you see this still being an issue come this summer and and with the Olympics specifically? Well, I just, uh, I had my television on mute and uh, a few minutes ago I saw the word, you know, pandemic flash across my screen. So, uh, I, you know, we, we really have no idea where this is going to go. My, my understanding right now is that, um, that the, the Olympic committee is saying business as usual to, to us athletes. And, um, and I think, you know, that's kind of how you have to operate right now, assuming that, that this will all be taken care of and, and will will die down by then, because as you say, it is a, a long way away. Uh, and, and, and so much is invested in the Olympics, uh, but obviously it's taking place in Japan. So, um, which, which I think after China ha- might have the second highest number of cases. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a question mark, you know, but, but I just think it's really too early to tell. And, and I don't know that anyone's kind of hitting the panic button yet. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to any of the players who are in this prolonged off season, are, are they, I, maybe some of them might even enjoy the downtime. Uh, I, I got to think though, <laughs> when, like you said, the ANA, the first major of the year is, is the third event will be the third event after this long layoff. I, I just, you know, golfers especially love, you know, structure and, and process and routine. I, I have to imagine this kind of throws that off a little bit. Yeah, there, there's no question about about that, um, and I, I think that uh, as several players have said to me, you know, I have to make sure I don't overthink things, over practice. You know, you have all this extra time now uh, that's unaccounted for, and 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 do you go on a vacation? You know, like I saw Danielle Keg was doing um, art, like epoxy art. I don't know what she's doing, but she's posting <laughs> it on Instagram. But but Danielle told me that her first reaction was, you know, she panicked. Um, you know, oh my gosh, you know, she was, she was planning on playing in all three of those events in Asia. She did not go to Australia. She played the first two of the year. 
So, you know, she, she finishes those two events in January and then, you know, essentially isn't seeing it up again until, till mid March. But then she realized she thought about it for a while and she was like, you know, I was actually exhausted. I didn't, she didn't have much of a regular off season, which a lot of players said that to me uh, at both the diamond resorts and, and the, um, the Gamebridge event that they, they felt like they didn't have a whole lot of time off. And so now she's looking at it as, well, maybe this is, you know, it's very rare to have this much time to spend in the gym or to work on something specific. And, um, and so I think it all comes down to, to mentally how you uh, frame it in your mind, you know, as, as this being an opportunity rather than something that's really going to be a setback. Um, but like I said, you have several players. Shen Shen Feng is one of them who, who has yet to play this year um, and will will start her year in, in late March. And uh, she said to me, she said, I'm, I'm 31 years old. She said, I'm, I'm never going to complain about a longer offseason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so she was cracking me up. Uh, so well, I, well know, talk I, to me about what else she's – because you just uh, published that piece. Uh, well, for listeners, it, it went up early uh, this week. But tell me, you had a funny anecdote that something she said in there. I was hoping you could share that with uh, with the listeners. Yeah, she she's one of the, the great characters on the LPGA. She's hilarious, and uh, and you know she's finding the silver lining for her friends who are stuck in China and and literally stuck. You know, can't can't go out, and the restaurants are all closed. They can go shopping maybe once a week. She said. Uh, and she's like, the bright side of all of this is their cooking has improved dramatically. And, and daily they post photos of their their latest creations. She said, but, you know, every once in a while they'll complain about how they're missing their favorite food. And she said, uh, my friends were complaining about how they, they miss barbecue. She said, so the next day I went out to my favorite barbecue place in L.A. So I propped up my phone on the table and I had six people watching me uh, live stream, <laughs> live eating my my barbecue. <laughs> she, she's like, she was just cracking me up. I mean, it's a she, you know, obviously she has great concern for for what's going on in, in her homeland, uh, but she's just trying to to bring a smile to to a tough situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about the the 2020 season thus far, um, the the four official events. As you said, the the first event of the year was the Diamond Resorts Classic in Orlando, and um, outstanding playoff. Gabby Lopez eventually won, um, but it seemed like man, kind of a dream start for the LPGA. That that was a that was a really exciting end. Uh, MB Park, NASA Hatoka were were in the playoff along with Gabby. Um, and then they went over to the Gamebridge event in Boca and Madeline Sagstrom broke through her first career win. Um, I want to ask you about her, but, but talk to me about kind of that, that two event start. And it seems like things are, are, you know, got off on a, on a great foot this year for, on the LPGA. Yeah. I mean, a seven hole playoff, my goodness. Uh, it was, it was amongst the longest, uh, sudden death playoffs in, in tour history. So that, that kind of caught us by surprise, and and the final hole is this crazy par three. The eighteenth hole is 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 super tough, and um and, and it only it only had six birdies all week on the eighteenth, and and Gabby Lopez had three of those. So uh, that that hole was good to her, and I th- I think my favorite my two favorite parts of the playoff was, was when Envy almost hold her shot after she hit it in the water to try to stay in, tried to almost hold it for par from the tee. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that was, but, but my, but my favorite thing was when they came back the next day, it's cold, you know, it's, it's like 40 degrees and, and it, it just a huge temperature shift from the, the day before. And, um, and Gabby's out on the range and she's, she's working out the, the distance precisely. She knows exactly what she's going to be hitting again, um, on this, on this tee box. And she's working it out with track man with her swing coach. And, when she got up there, you know, the second time she she played the hole that morning, she she just teed it up just a, a touch behind um, behind the tee marker and 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 goes ahead and hits her hybrid and it, it just just perfect pin high and it was like you know you sometimes you don't appreciate exactly how precise these players are, but she knew that the temperature had warmed up you know, just a hair and that, that she needed that, you know, extra half a yard or whatever to be behind the T T marker just a little bit to get it exactly where she wanted it. And I, it just was a moment of precision, um, that I so appreciated <laughs> as an amateur player who's, you know, just happy to get within 10 yards of, of where I'm trying to go. So, um, so that was, that was, that was fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, those three, Gabby, Anasa and and NB all trying to get back into the Olympics, um, and it really started the season, you know, with that Olympic flavor that that we were all looking for of, of what everyone, you know, outside of the majors, you know, they're they're focused on that. So the next week was the first ever the Gamebridge Classic in Boca Raton. Uh, was that? I, did you cover that one? Were you there? And I did. Was mm-hmm. that first year success? Hopefully. Uh, absolutely. Um, I was, I was impressed with the weekend crowds. I felt like the, um, the club really embraced, uh, having, having the tour there. Um, you know, I think it was kind of weird. There weren't any grandstands. I think I didn't even notice that until like the last day. And I was like, wait a second, I haven't seen a grandstand anywhere, <laughs> which, was, <laughs> which was really unusual. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, Madeline Sackstrom, you know, it's funny. I was, I was on the range early in the week. This is like Wednesday standing next to a, a long time golf observer. And he's like, who is, who is that tall blonde there? What a, what a good looking swing. And he's like, wow, she's so statuesque. And I, I think she might've been standing next to NASA on the range. So she looked even bigger than she really is. But, uh, but it was that she's like, who is that? You know, and it, it was, it was Madeline Sackstrom. And, and, uh, and she, she, uh, I, I said, Oh yeah, she played in the Solheim cup team couple years ago but you know really, really hasn't been done you know a whole lot since and, and, then, and then at the end of the week you know she's hoisting the trophy so um you know you just never know it's uh it, it, you know it felt like a coming out party of sorts for her and uh and it, the, the 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 best part of it was she had her her boyfriend's dad on the bag and and he either looked like he was, you know, living the dream or like he might collapse any second. <laughs> it was rather exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that's interesting. I honestly, I kind of forgotten. And, and so it was interesting for me to, to read about um, Madeline and just that, you know, being on the Solheim Cup team, uh, she was Symmetra Tour Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year in 2016. I mean, she had all this potential and um, just hadn't really broken through it all, H- hadn't put it together on, on the LPGA Tour really with any sustained success. So I, I thought um, just, just interesting kind of seeing her make good on all of that potential. Um, and, and she did. I wanted to ask you, but she mentioned some – 
you know, some demons and, and overcoming some demons, which anytime a golfer, you know, is willing and open to talk about their, their demons, I'm like, you have my attention. And so I, I didn't know if you had a chance to ask her about that too, or, or what you made of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. She mentioned the word demons, uh, early on in her press conference and, uh, and, and like you, my, my, uh, my little antenna went up. And so when it came around time to ask questions, I was like, so tell me about these demons. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and she said, she, she said, you know, and I, and I love this because sometimes first time winners are so honest and fresh, you know, you just get this like fresh perspective and, 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 it, you know, you I just, I appreciated that. And so her answer was, you know, the things that we think athletes must think. Surely they must think. She 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 confirms it. The you know the question swirling around in her head. You know, have I done the work? Am I good enough? You know, how what what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to keep my card? How much money am I going to make? You know, all these things, um, you know, are swirling around in her head early early in the year because, like you said, she hadn't um, been able to have that consistency um, and and really spending a lot of time thinking about the future. And that was what she was doing wrong. Essentially, uh, she needed to stay in the present, and uh, and that's what she did so well that week in Boca. Um, and I think that um, you know that's what that's what got her the trophy. You know, and and in, in fact, she said when she started Sunday's round, she felt like she had already won before she even played. Not necessarily winning the tournament, but it had been such a, a personal victory for her, and that. She followed up a 62, a career round 62, with a 67 the next day. That in and of itself, she stayed in the present. She stuck with her process. Those are the kinds of, you know, things that I hate to hear because they're boring to write. But <laughs> <laughs> but then when you throw in the word demon, you know, it's like, okay, now we've spiced it up. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it you have my attention. Sense. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to quickly, the, the tour then went to um, – Australia for for a couple events. The first one being the the Vic Open, and then the second one, the Australian Open. And I, th- I think it's noteworthy, you know, Sagstrom. She started really well in uh, at the Vic Open, and then you know, final round eighty one. I was like, well, maybe, to, maybe those demons are still. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think there were though a couple of noteworthy things I wanted to ask you about first from the Vic open was the debut, the LPGA debut of Haley Moore. And she shot a first round 66. Uh, she did miss the cut then, but talk about her start and, you know, what do we make of it? What, you know, what can she take from it? I mean, I think, I think first of all, you know, in any other event, Haley Moore would have made the cut. You know, she shot 66, 71, and then, gosh dang it, they threw in a second cut. <laughs> so, so there's it's actually, you know, it's a it's a two cut event. Um, and she shot 79 in that third round. Only 40 players uh, make it to Sunday uh, because it's a it's an, a unique format, and that the men and women are are playing at the same time. So it starts out as a full field event, and then and by Sunday, only only 40 players are competing. So um, that that third round, 79, got her. Uh, I think it's a lot. I think it's I think it's a, uh, a a deep dive into the deep end, right? You're you're flying all the way to Australia by yourself for your first official event. Uh, she's been to Australia before, but uh, but still, it's all new. Um, you're you've, you're meeting a new caddy for the first time. Christina Kim helped her um, with a, a an, an Aussie caddy. Um, 
So there, there are a lot of, of, of new things. And, uh, and then she, she goes on to the, to, she's the second alternate when she went over there for the, for the next event, which was the Australian women's open. And, um, and that's even kind of weird too, because they have a Tuesday qualifier for the Australian open. And rather than going off of the, the standard, um, alternate list for the LPGA, it, it actually goes off of the alternate list from the Vic open. I mean, excuse me, from the Tuesday qualifier. So very strange. So she, um, she doesn't get into that event. So, so, you know, it was, it was, a um, it was definitely a, a learning experience for her. Uh, Haley will come back and, uh, you know, in, in the, the West coast swing, she'll have her Augusta national caddy back on the bag. Um, she'll be playing it at, at, you know, just down the road from her, her hometown in San Diego. She's been practicing out at, um, that, that course, um, quite a bit trying to get used to some things. So, uh, there's some tricky greens there. So I, I, she's obviously got great history at the A&A. If she can play her way into that somehow, that would be, uh, that would be incredible. So I, 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 I think we still could see Haley Moore even win a tournament this year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm not supposed to say I root for people, but I think that would be cool. I it certainly will be uh, rooting for her and, and for that to happen sooner than later. Um, another, this from the Australian Women's Open, I wanted to ask you about another uh, young player, Maria Fossey. I believe she was tied for 13th. It was her best finish since the U.S. Open last year. Um, and do you, what, what do you take? I, I know Maria Fossey is somebody who, in the social media world, just because of her swing and, and kind of her attitude, she wears the big the big sunglasses. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. What, did, do you take anything uh, fr- from this result? Do you, do you think she's she's trending in the right direction and, and ready to re- really be you know a factor week to week more this year? Well, her game is certainly big enough. She's leading the tour in, in driving distance, two hundred and ninety two yards. Um, so she's. Uh, I, I think it comes down to eliminating big numbers for Maria um, and, and, you know, being, being more consistent uh, putting, you know, is a, is a, is a big factor uh, for her. I think she's, um, you know, she's outside the top 100 in putting right now. Uh, I, I definitely think, um, you know, Maria Fossey will, will get it together. I think there's, there's a, a, a big learning curve for her. Um, and, and, and I don't know if, and maybe I might, I might be wrong here, but sometimes I think when you have a, a bigger game and you're learning all the golf courses for the first time, um, you know, she's not like a, a down the middle, play it safe kind of person. So I think she has to figure out how to make her way around, you know, these tracks. And, um, and there was a lot of, a lot of expectation, you know, put on her after the Anwana and, you know, from externally and, and probably internally too. And she's, got a lot of logos, you know, got, got an agent, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things to, to get used to. And she wasn't just kind of flying in under the radar. She it was like, boom, you're going to be the next superstar. Everybody's saying it now show us, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I, I do think there's something to that. Um, just the way her, her game is uh, and, and how she has to, you know, find, find the way to play golf courses for herself. And, and she's not like a lot of other players. That's, that's interesting. Um, I, I haven't really mentioned any of the winners, but I, I do want to ask you, you know, I got to think it's, it's great for the LPGA that MB Park won uh, first time in nearly two years. She won the, uh, the women's Australian open. Talk to me about 
what makes her such a special player and you know it seems to me as as a as an outsider i'm certainly not around the tour near as much as you are but it seems like she's she's almost revered by by the players uh no no question about it um but interestingly there's been a lot of turnover on the tour there are a lot of young faces that that weren't even around when nb was you know winning three majors in one season um and in uh in in 2013 and and really you know dominating the tour so um i I think a lot of people probably a lot of the younger people don't fully appreciate um maybe what nb can do um she you know her her putter kind of um, left her a little bit in recent years, and uh, and boy was it back uh, in in Australia. And and her caddy will tell you that he MB says you know that her game you know is pretty similar to them, but but you know Brad says her ball striking you know is is miles better than it was when she won three majors in one year. So um, I you know I I can't wait to see MB put it all together at the majors this year because I. The Olympics is such a massive goal for her um, getting back because she will tell you getting on that Korean team is more difficult than than actually winning a medal. <laughs> it's, it's so hard uh, to get, you know, because just because you're in the top 15 in the world, which she is right now, she's still the first alternate for the four person Korea South Korea team. So uh, that's mind blowing. Um, and, and so I, I think that that uh, NB Park. I, I said I can't wait to call this the year of NB. I know she's only won once, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but I'm just hoping that it's just a, a massive year because I really feel like NB did not get the attention and the credit that she deserved in 2013. I was at all those major championships and I just she just didn't. And and I would I would like the Pollyanna in me would like to think that if the same sort of thing happened this time around, um, especially now that she's won a gold medal, that that maybe she would get the due that she deserves from, from golf and sports as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I ask you about one more young player? Um, mm-hmm. Leona McGuire, I think is somebody who Sterling amateur career, I, I believe holds the record for the most weeks ranked atop the women's amateur golf ranking, something like a hundred, mm-hmm. 135 weeks. Um, but she, I, she she had a really nice finish at the Vic Open. Uh, she's currently 26th, I believe, in the race to CME. I, I think this is another player who probably lots of things were expected of her, and it seems like, and and I'm hoping, you know, she's kind of starting to fulfill that potential and, and will hopefully be a mainstay on, on the LPGA uh, and, and in leaderboards uh, really for for years to come. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I have to tell you that it, oh, that first after that first round, uh, I was scratching my head because in Boca she she opened with a seventy nine, and I was like, "What? What in the world?" <laughs> I mean, I, that was not at all what I was uh, I was expecting. Um, you know, as you say, Leona is one of the one of the best college players in the history of women's college golf. Four year player at Duke, uh, extraordinarily consistent. Um, the fact that she stayed and, and got her degree, um, you know, in a way might, might've put her a little bit behind some of her peers when she was, she was ahead of the curve when she was younger. Um, but I think that she has such a good head on her shoulders. She's such a hard worker. She's such a smart player. 
And I saw her sister in Boca and, and, and was told by the LPGA that her sister is um, going to be out there as, a, as her, her manager, um, something along those lines. <laughs> uh, her twin sister, Lisa, uh, you know, is, a, is a big part of her life. And if that's true and she's going to be on the road with her week in and week out, I think that's a, a huge piece to the puzzle for, for Leona to feel comfortable and, and, and to enjoy uh, this, this first full season on the LPGA. I think we'll see her. I wanted to see her on a Solheim Cup team like yesterday. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to see her um, in match play. I think she'll be a stalwart on, on, on the European team for a long time. I, I want to move on to some other topics, but before we do, what are, if you don't mind me asking, one, two, three things that you're most uh, excited to see with respect to the LPGA come, you know, March, April, uh, when the tour fires back up? So one thing I'm keeping an eye on is, um, Stacy Lewis. Uh, she needs to, to make a push here to be able to play in her hometown, uh, us women's open. It'll be in Houston this year. And, and right now she's on the outside looking in, uh, she's ranked, 98th in the world and, and the U.S. Women's Open now goes off of the Rolex rankings. So she needs to move into the top 75. So I'm kind of on a, a Stacey Lewis watch uh, because that, you know, sh- she hasn't won the U.S. Women's Open. And uh, and that's, you know, that would be, you know, a storybook for her to play at home. But then obviously to contend would be a, a huge storyline. And, and I don't think she'll get a special exemption because the USGA um, offered her something like that a little bit last year. Um we know with the maternity clause. So, um, the other, another thing I'm looking at is, uh, is, is Nelly, of course, is now right now world number two. Um, the last time we had an American, a number one, of course, was Stacy Lewis in 2014. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what Nelly can do uh, in, in the next few weeks in a, in a and a, um, um, I'm going to throw a little side note in here too. I'm going to give you four. I'm I'm really curious, just a little one-liner to see if Michelle Wee will will play pregnant at some point this spring because she has a very limited window if she's going to do it. And her her recent post had me thinking it's not going to happen on Instagram. But um, but how cool would it be for Weezy to tee it up in Hawaii, pregnant? Who cares how she plays? You know, just just thought that just think that would be um, fun for for everyone. Uh, and then and then of course Lexi Thompson at the A and A. You know. <laughs> It's hard to find anyone that's had has a better record at the ANA um, in recent years than Lexi Thompson. You know, she's going in right now. She's ranked number nine in the world. I feel like she's sort of under the radar in a way. Uh, everyone's, you know, looking at Nellie, uh, seeing what, you know, Danielle Kang's ranked ahead of her as well. Um, she recently turned 25. I think, you know, Lexi finished third last year and, and, and there were, she hasn't finished outside the top seven at that t- championship since, she won in 2014. So except for, excuse me, once in 2018, she tied for 20th. But that was, to me, that was like a top 10 because that was coming in right after the the debacle the year before. So um, I I am really interested to see if Lexi can contend at the A&A again and, uh, and, and get what she should have had uh, three years ago. Do you, what do you make of, first of all, I cannot believe it's been since 2014, an American woman has been ranked number one. That, uh, that took me by surprise when you said that. Uh, and then, but I was going to ask you, what do you make of the ANA and the Augusta 
women's amateur being the, the same weekend. Is, is that good for women's golf or would you rather they split those up? Terrible. <laughs> uh, I hate it. Um, I want them to, to, to split it up yesterday. Um, but I know that there's a, there are a lot of factors involved and it's not as easy as snapping your fingers and you have to get everyone, all the, all the parties on board. I think it's unfortunately unfortunate that the LPGA um, got into this situation and that was not through any faults of their own. You know, they were completely blindsided by this, but, um, but it's unfortunate that it couldn't be resolved for this year because I hate the fact that amateurs have to make a decision uh, whether or not they're going to, you know, play in, in Augusta national or, or the first women's major of the year. But, but more than that, um, I, I just think it, you know, it takes too much attention away from the a and I think it's really hard um, slash impossible to compete against Augusta National. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and it just takes up so much of the buzz uh, all week talking about uh, the annual and who's going to make the cut and who's going to play. And, and, and I don't think that's going to go away. I don't think it's going to die off. I think it's just going to get stronger and stronger. And, and therefore, I think it makes, you know, the LPGA, um, and I, I just think it, it diminishes their event. Reading between the lines, do you think it's more likely, if if they were to go to a new schedule, would the onus be on the LPGA to find a new weekend for the ANA, do you think? Oh, yeah. There's no way Augusta National is moving. And I can't really blame them. I mean, it's the perfect setup. Um, you know, you have all the, all the media. You have everything all set up ready to go, you know, flows right into the drive, chip and putt, and then the masters. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I, there's no, nobody questions why the annual is, is the week that it is. I mean, it makes sense. Um, it's just unfortunate that the LPGA couldn't have, couldn't have moved it around. Um, couldn't, couldn't have known in advance to, to, to move it around. And I, and I, I mean, I get, I get that we were here first. We already had our, our date argument, but, but no one at this point can question how how great it is, how great's not even a big enough word, how monumental it is that, you know, women are playing at Augusta National. So I think we can all move past the we were here first argument. Um, I just think it need you know, it need it needs to be changed. So I don't I don't really care how they do it. <laughs> I just want them to do it. <laughs> just get it done. Yeah. I, I I'm with you. It seems like so much of the challenge is getting eyes on women's golf and you know, these these two marquee events being on the same weekend is is great in the sense that it really becomes a bigger celebration of women's golf. But if you could spread them out, then all of a sudden, you know, you, you make two weekends that are significant to women's golf. So I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope they can work out the schedule so they're, they're not overlapping in the future. Hey guys, Randy here. Sorry to interrupt. I want to quickly thank Herbal Active for sponsoring today's Trap Draw. They make a wide assortment of CBD products. You can find it at herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. I know the uh, the boys are are deep in their regimens, and you know they have never been more pleasant to be around. I uh, whether it's drops in the morning with coffee, drops in the evening with a little tea, or perhaps just some water. They are sleeping better than they ever have. Uh, I know Tron loves the mints. 
he says they're very effective and, and he gets a lot of uh, benefit from them. So Herbal Active CBD, they also make a balm, uh, which you can find on the website. Again, it's herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V. Use the promo code TRAPDRAW20 to get 20% off your order. And once again, I thank Herbal Active for sponsoring uh, today's episode. Now back to my conversation with Beth Ann Nichols. Changing gears a little bit, um, I, I want to talk to you about the the life and legacy of Mickey Wright. She passed away last week at the age of 85. Um, one of the monumental figures, not only on the LPGA Tour, but really in, in all of golf. She won 82 times on the LPGA Tour, 13 majors. Um, where I'll start is, did you have a chance to meet and talk to her at all in person? I, I know she was a very private person. So I was, I was curious if you had any uh, personal interactions with her. So I came along in this um, business uh, after Mickey, you know, uh, uh, you know, long after she'd stopped playing um, even, even one-off events. Um, so I, I was, I was never able to watch her compete um, or, or interview her at a, in person at, a, at an event. Um, I was able to talk to her on the phone and we had, um, email conversations. Oh boy, I tried to set up some kind of an interview in person. I, <laughs> I begged, I worked every angle I could. Um, and I, you know, I optimistically thought, Oh, the more we trade emails, the more I, you know, you know, get to know her a little bit, maybe she will, she will relent. But, um, and I, and I guess I thought I, obviously I, we all thought we, I had more time to convince her of that. Um, so, you know, I mean, she, anytime you got a note from, from Mickey, you know, I'd, I'd fire off a question and, um, and anytime I got one back, it just felt like I'd struck gold, you know, before I even opened it up, you know, it was just, Oh, she emailed me back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it was like such a score to be able to, yeah. to get uh, Mickey to say anything. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I treasured all of those emails. I, 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 I printed them out long ago just in case something ever happened. Um, and it, and it's funny because it t- to my email, not, to, not, not to Biggie. I would, I wanted to have record. Um, but it's funny because, you know, she, I was working on a, a story about her, her dear friend, um, Rhonda Glenn who, who passed away and, um, and, and I was looking at all my old emails after Mickey died and, and, and she says, uh, Oh, feel free to give me a call. You know, I'd, I'd love to talk about Rhonda. And then, and then before I saw that email, she'd sent me another email with all these a really long email, with, you know, wonderful anecdotes, like more, more than I could have ever used. It was wonderful. And I was so excited to get that second email, but then I was like, dang, now I feel like I can't call her because she, you know, she already <laughs> sent me all this great stuff. And so, so I didn't call her. I just used what she had, had written. And I was, I, and, and now, you know, fast forward several years later, and I'm, I'm so bummed with myself that I didn't just use it as an excuse, you know, to give her a call, you know, that, that I, I didn't, I, I just kind of was like, well, I don't want to push it, you know? So, so anyways, she's, she, um, she's larger than life for the LPGA. I mean, I think a lot of people, because it was so long ago, people, um, probably don't appreciate the fact that, um, you know, tournaments 
threatened to cancel if if Mickey wasn't playing. Uh, she was she was bigger than the tour. If there wasn't if Mickey wasn't playing, we're we're, we're not having it. And um, you know that's that's incredible. I mean, what what she accomplished. You know, and and I I love this quote um, that Rhonda had, and I I wanted to pull it out for you because I I just think it really encapsulates Mickey so well. She, Betsy, the great Betsy Rawls said Mickey gave the LPGA credibility in the area of skill and competence. No one would ever doubt after seeing Mickey that women could be great golfers, and I think that that kind of sums it up. You know, she, it wasn't she wasn't this you know amazing showman with this wonderful personality. It came down to her skill. I mean, it's not that she didn't have a great personality, but she wasn't a babe, right? That wasn't her. That wasn't um, what people came. People came to 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 watch her golf game, her skill, and 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 compared her swing um, among the all time greats of of men and women. And so I think that put her in in a league of her own. I I would encourage everybody. I know there there've been many public um stories written about her life and and what she meant to golf. I think one that I found particularly uh, revealing and I, I just really enjoyed was Michael Bamberger's piece. Um and you know, he he makes a claim that really Mickey Wright is on golf's Mount Rushmore. Not not women's golf Mount Rushmore, but all of golf Mount Rushmore. You know, she's one of four most uh, influential people in in American golf. So I thought that was um, really telling. And he, like you, you know, he had such a, a correspondence with her emails and phone calls, and he he never scored that in person meeting either. Which uh, I, I kind of, you know, there aren't many truly private people anymore, and certainly not you know people of her stature and what she meant to the game of golf. And and I kind of like that. Um, I, I like thinking about that that legacy and and just you know she she did things a little differently and, and I appreciate that. I, I was going to ask, do you have a favorite little anecdote that you heard through the years, or do you have a, a favorite memory of her that you know maybe it's not even from her? Somebody told you? Ah, uh, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. It's not it's not really an anecdote. It's a it's a season. Um, I mean, I can't I can't get past nineteen sixty three. You know, when you like, when you go back and you look at, um, you know, dominance, you know, and, and we talk about how players have dominated the game and, and, you know, that she won 13 times that season and finished out of the top 10 only once, 27 of 28 tournaments, she finished inside the top 10. You know, she, she essentially retired at 34. I think now that I've turned 40, <laughs> um, you know, when I, when I look back and, you know, and, and, in, in working on her obit, just looking at all that she had accomplished, you know, so young, you know, and to think about what she could have done, um, had, had she kept playing and, and the records that she, she could have set, you know, I mean, obviously she's number two behind Kathy Whitworth and, and all time wins with, you know, Kathy having 88, but my gosh, Kathy played forever, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, and, and she's second behind Patty Berg and, and majors, but again, retired at 34, you know? So, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. Ju- Judy Rankin did tell me recently that, uh, the first time she was leading a golf tournament on the LPGA, she made the turn and, um, she saw Mickey Wright's name on the board and that she was chasing her and, 
And that was pretty much all she wrote. She said after that, she started uh, rifling it over greens. Adrenaline was pumping. <laughs> She's like, I flew three greens after that. And needless <laughs> to say, Mickey Wright won. So, you know, it's just kind of talk about, you know, the the aura, the presence, the, you know, the holy crap factor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's Mickey. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, there, I, I would encourage everybody. There's been so many good pieces, um, written about her life and what she's meant to golf. Um, I, I Adam Shupak wrote a great one, um, on our site about his correspondence with Mickey and a lot of personal stuff and, and funny stuff. Uh, I would encourage you to look, read that one too. Excellent. And, and that's golf week for, for anybody that's not, um, aware I, I should have I, I should always say your your golf week affiliate from the top I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> that's okay <laughs> uh, uh, the the I I don't want to take up too much of your time but the last thing I wanted to ask you about was um another kind of significant to the game of golf was the USGA and RNA releasing findings from their distance insights project uh it's kind of long awaited everybody was curious how you know the kind of the two governing bodies would, would come down. And, um, I thought it was very interesting, you know, that from, from their report, it indicated distance and golf courses have both, uh, seen increases, which, uh, you know, quoting them now are de- detrimental to golf's future. Uh, this has obviously caused a big stir around the, the men's game and the conversation around the men's game. My question is we don't really hear, or I haven't heard anything, at all with regard to the, to the women's game is, is the distance, is this an issue at all? Have, have you heard any rumblings? Is, is this making any waves on the, on the women's side? Uh, I don't think you'd find anyone who would consider there to be a problem on the LPGA oh. with distance. Okay. Um, I, and I, you know, I, I cannot imagine the LPGA instituting a local rule, um, at all, like ever. Um, I mean, unless they were forced to somehow, I mean, you know, I just, I just, it's, it's not an issue. I mean, if anything, it's the opposite. I mean, I, I mean, if Brittany Lincecum's going to hit a par five and two, she's got three wood in her hand or maybe five wood, you know, how many times do you see the guys on the PGA tour hitting three wood in on their second shot? You know, I mean, it's, there's no seven irons and six irons, you know, approach shots on the LPGA at the par fives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and when you watch, when you watch, you know, the NCAA championship prime example, you know, the men and women are playing back to back and the women are, you know, the course is set up so hard that, you know, some of the best women in the country are, can't break 85, you know, and the next day, you know, the men, the next week, the men have no such problem. I mean, it's like, I think courses need to be set up, you know, so that, so that women can, can shoot lower scores. I think there's a stigma. I think, um, I think it's, you know, we need to set it up longer for the women to make it tougher. You know, if, if, a if a female, if we, if we have scores are too low, you know, clearly the course has been set up too easy and you don't hear that on the men's side, you know, it's, it's the opposite. It's, you know, look, look how these guys are good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so no, I don't think there's a distance problem on the LPGA. I'd love to see scores lower. I mean, the, the women are longer. There's no doubt about it. And let's show it off. Yeah. I, I, and that makes sense. I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't think it was, I, I probably didn't frame my question all that well. I, there certainly isn't a distant distance problem, but I, I was curious if, if, you know, that 
report and this distance debate uh, trickles down into the LPGA in, in any respects. But I, I do think, and kind of piggybacking what you said, I think one of the best things the LPGA has going for it is they can play a lot of these classic golf courses that are, you know, too short really for the, for the professional men's game. Um, I, I think, I don't think I'm in a minority, but the, the more the LPGA can go to some of these classic uh, golden age design courses that the, the layperson doesn't really get to see very often. I, I think that would do nothing but uh, enhance the, the interest in, in the women's game and, and certainly that those specific events. I, I'm thinking of like the, the women's U S open last year at the country club of Charleston was, was a good example. Um, I know the KPMG this year is going to Iran Mink. So the, I, I think the, the women's game is, is really well positioned to take advantage and compete on, on courses that the, the men just can't. So I, I was curious about that. I, I thanks for that insight. No, no to, to your point, no question about that. I mean, and anytime, you know, the women can get on courses that have name recognition that have hosted, you know, great, you know, male championships of the past. Um, it, it, it lends credibility to the tour and, and brings interest. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with you on that front. Um, so maybe if they, <laughs> maybe if the men suddenly can play all those courses again, it would be a bad thing for the women because they, they lose that advantage. But, um, <laughs> no. but, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, yeah, let's take the women's open to Marion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I, um, I, I, I realize it takes two to tango, right? You got to convince these clubs to, to give up their, their course and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's where the women's game could get really, really fun is, is going to the courses that just, you know, you can't play a, a men's pro event there. So, uh, Bethann, thank you. I'm, I'm wondering, did, did we miss anything? Did we, I, I you know, these are kind of like our, our quarterly, my quarterly LPGA check-ins. Um, I, have, have I missed anything significant? Do we need to talk about anything else? I think, I think we hit most of the highlights. Um, yeah. Um, well, the LPGA, they pick back up uh, March 19th through 22nd. It's the Founders Cup out in Phoenix. Will you be, uh, you'll be getting on a plane and, and getting back on the grind starting, starting then, I imagine? I will be in Phoenix, yes. I, I look forward to it. I'll be there all week. It'll feel like the first day of school all over again. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, you don't get two first days of school very often in the same year. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, no. Well, Bethann, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the, the rest of your break here. Uh, enjoy your time at home and look forward to, uh, to doing this again, hopefully sometime uh, in, the, in the spring, early summer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Favorite rapper, hey, hey. Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. <laughs> the absolute.